China has a strong domestic market. China has better access to Asia and to Africa. And those are the markets of the next decades and centuries. Let's face it. So in the future, the question is not whether we need China, but whether China needs us. And we must ensure that. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. Niemann hao guys and welcome to the next episode of the Track and Folio China podcast. My name is Eric and today I will discuss whether we in the West are too dependent on China these days and whether and why we should escape from China's influence perhaps. I broke my monthly schedule a bit. I actually planned to release an episode once a month at least. Um, now it's been five weeks since my last episode. The reason is that I was a bit busier than I expected and that was mainly due to a Chinese language test that I had to take or let's say I quite spontaneously um, decided to sign up for and then realized that it could be a close call actually to really pass it at the end. And let's put it like this, it's a Chinese test. So that means not only Chinese language, but also the style, it's an extreme rush, especially the reading and writing part. And so it was quite a challenge for me because um, even though my oral Chinese is fine, I'm not really used to read that much or that fast and to write really Chinese characters. I mean, most even most Chinese people won't do that anymore in daily life. They don't write the Chinese characters, they use the Latin alphabet if they text people on the phone or write on on their laptop and so it's it's even yeah, even for them it's uncommon so of course huge struggle for me but uh, finally I took the exam last week and I'm pretty confident that I passed it um, and yeah my rule is for this podcast like for most things in life I only do it when I get to do it and when I feel like um, just like today so that's the next episode and I'm also going to tell you why I chose this topic. Are we too dependent on China? Um, it is simply because I hear and read more and more people mentioning we must get rid of China. We should stop buying Chinese goods, whatever that exactly means, because if you totally stop buying Chinese goods, um, yeah, I think it's not possible unless you live on an abandoned rock somewhere. But um, of course, I, I take those things seriously. If I read it a lot, hear it, um, and, and spend some thoughts on it, whether it's yeah, it's um, a legitimate proposal or whether we have to change something. And the first question, of course, is are we extremely dependent on China? And the answer is a clear yes. We can deny this. Most Western nations are highly dependent both in terms of imports and exports. And yeah, maybe you read it um, very recently in 2020, China overtook the US as the EU's largest trading partner. So now we're more dependent in the EU on China than ever before. And the same for America, basically, their largest trading partner is still China. 
overall. Um, and in terms of imports, um, when you look at exports though, then Mexico and Canada are actually more important. So the US um, exports a lot to those two countries. Um, but even there, in terms of exports, China is number three, um, well before Japan and Germany. So yeah, you cannot deny either that there is a extreme dependency on China. So the next question then is, did it already reach a critical level? Do we need to take action in some countries? And I believe that we are indeed supposed to take action, but not necessarily in the way that some people think. Because what some people are asking for is that we totally stop selling to China or stop buying from China or both. And this is not possible. You cannot simply sell your stuff elsewhere. But that's exactly what some people, and, and not just a small group of people, a lot of people say, they say we should go elsewhere. We should sell our products, especially when we talk about export, we should sell them elsewhere. That's not that easy. I mean, let's take Germany, who's very dependent on exports, especially on, let's say, car manufacturing. So where do you want to, where do you want to go? Some of the car manufacturers like Volkswagen, I think they have like 40% of their cars are now uh, export to China. What do you want to do? You cannot simply go to Brazil or India because guess what? They're not buying these cars. And the same for America. They cannot simply sell, okay, let's export our soybeans to Canada because they're all going vegan, right? They want to have our soybeans. That's not going to work, obviously. And of course, I mean, the companies won't just voluntarily reduce their sales, right? Um, so there's no real, yeah, in practice, it's, it's not really going to work. And think logically, if it was so easy, then companies already would have done it. First to, to capture new markets, but also for diversification. It is not that easy or in some areas, it is absolutely impossible. So then the only way would be, yeah, the state has to uh, jump in and uh, with taxes that we all pay, has to subsidize products so we can sell it to others. But anyway, to cut ties with China in terms of our um, exports um, would immediately lead to a recession, especially in countries like Germany. There's no way around this. We also have the other side. Some people say, okay, we can at least stop buying from China. That's not only because they think we are dependent on China. That's also for other reasons like human rights and so on, which I don't want to discuss today. But let's have a look at this as well, because it fits um, kind of to the same idea. What happens if we stop buying from China? Well, it would lead to an enormous decline in our living standards because a lot of products are not available at prices that we are willing to pay or that are simply not available because nobody's really able to manufacture them without, I mean, a huge adjustment in supply chain and infrastructure. But of course, if you're okay to pay 2000 euro for your next phone, 4000 euro for your next ordinary laptop, well, then okay. But guess what? Not everyone can afford that. The reason that our purchasing power and our, let's say, assets that we at least have in daily use are quite similar in Western societies. So the, let's say the cleaning lady, she can more or less afford the same iPhone 
that the CEO of this company can buy who shits on the toilet after she cleaned it up. Their assets, let's say their laptop, their iPhone, whatever, might be pretty much the same. And the reason is that those items are so affordable nowadays. Um, we can basically buy really good quality electronic devices for very reasonable prices. And one reason for that, not the only one, of course, is China, right? And around 90% of electronic goods pass through China these days, namely Shenzhen, the city which I think talked about in another episode earlier. Maybe you want to check that out if you're interested. And so it's not that easy. You cannot simply boycott all the products made uh, in China. That's not possible, uh, at least not for everyone. Some people say, yeah, but then we should move production elsewhere. Um, well, also not so easy because China is not chosen as a manufacturing hot spot because it's so cheap. Um, there are cheaper countries these days. Um, this is why some industries like textile are going elsewhere already. But for, um, for other industries, it's not easy. You cannot simply shift all the electronics to, let's say, Vietnam, Indonesia, and the Philippines. That's not possible. And yeah, some people, they say, whatever, we should establish very tough measurements. They really say we should set limits. So we can only sell a certain amount of Chinese goods. That's what some people also ask for. And how is that going to work? First of all, it's against any human nature and free market economy that reflects the values that I grew up with in Germany. And I think most of us in the Western Hemisphere. And yeah, anyway, how is this going to turn out? Should they hang signs in the windows at the end and say, sorry, um, we are out of order next delivery in six months. We are prohibited from selling more Chinese goods. Yeah, I don't know how how this is going to work. Um, I think overall this uh, wouldn't work. It's unrealistic. And all measurements I could think of would lead to a economic fallout and huge issues. So there must be a better solution, right, um, to this problem regarding the dependency. And... Yeah, I think there's a better solution and uh, I came up with one. It's a multi-step solution, basically. And uh, let me start with this. First of all, the uh, solution is not reversing globalization, but uh, improving it. And what I mean by that is, first of all, that countries must control their, um, their deficit. So they should, of course, try to have something valuable and to export enough so that the imports from China are not killing you so that you basically keep a healthy balance in your um, economy. This is what America already tried, tried to do lately. Not super successful and maybe not with the right approach. At least statistics show there has n there's basically no impact. And I don't think that protectionism is the way to go. But what you can do is, and that's my main point here, you should focus on your strengths and on your core competencies. The problem we have with China these days is the following. In the past, we didn't really bother to buy all this cheap crap from China as long as we could send our high quality products. Because we buy cheap or we don't want to produce or can produce like that anyways. 
and we sell high value because we can do it. We are good at, they pay high prices for this. So we are kind of on the winning side. What happened now is, or lately, is that China climbed up the value chain and now they have similar products at cheaper prices and they became competitors. So we have created, also because of our funding, we invested a lot, we have created a massive competitor, not just us, China has, yeah, China has created this competitive advantage itself, uh, but yeah, you know what I mean. And um, in yeah, they are in exactly the same business that we are good at. And of course now they can, in many cases, squeeze companies here out of the market because they are cheaper. And so in the long run, you need to do something. Otherwise they screw you. And that's just free market economy, which is healthy overall. But does, does it mean you, you are, you're done, you're, you're screwed? No, of course not. You have to define new areas where you can compete. I mean, of course, what you can do, first of all, is say, okay, in this area, do we still have a chance? You can decrease prices, you can increase quality. Well, prices is hard here in Europe to decrease, but you can increase quality. In some areas that works, you can still say, hey, we have the better quality. But if you cannot, deliver better quality, then there's probably not enough demand in the long term. So you have to go to new areas. And that is what, of course, a lot of countries and companies already do. You have to see, okay, what's what's our future mission? A lot of countries that say Norway, they focus on the hydro energy. Switzerland is not just saying we're, we're just banking. They're going for the cryptocurrency environment. And a lot of countries have a certain path. Of course, for smaller countries, it might be more, um, might be a bit easier, but it doesn't mean one country has to focus on just one industry, but you have a lot of, let's say, high-tech industry and high-value fields where you can still be much better than China. And that's the important thing. You have to compete in areas that China can't. And one reason that this is possible is that the education in America in Europe is still very good and overall it's better than in China. And this is something you need to exploit. At the end of the day, it's all about having a product that people want to buy. So there's a demand, of course, at a price that they're willing to pay. And many countries neglect that and then complain that even their own people buy stuff elsewhere, but that's normal. So you should have products people want. And after you have done your homework internally, then you're ready for results, you're competitive, and then in the best case, you even have a win-win situation. Many people think win-win is, is a myth. No, it is not. Globalization under a capitalist system is not a zero-sum game, and statistics show that. So the only problem that you really might encounter is if you're stagnating, if you're falling behind in all areas, because Guess what? China is keeps rising, overall at least. And if you are not rising at all, or barely in just a very few areas, then it's going to be difficult for you. That's important to understand. So the answer to the dependency on China is make sure they are dependent too, because there's no guarantee for that. China has a strong domestic market. 
China has better access to Asia and to Africa. And those are the markets of the next decades and centuries. Let's face it. So in the future, the question is not whether we need China, but whether China needs us. And we must ensure that. That's important. That's already the main message. How does China see all of that? Well, as I said, they have a strong domestic market and they also decrease their dependency. They they try to create more internal demand because they are also highly dependent on us, right? They're going their way in yeah, reducing that that risk at the end. And one thing is for sure, they have a lot of internal momentum. If they can manage to overcome this middle income trap, which is a huge challenge and a certain threat, but if they can manage, I'm confident they can manage that, then in this case, they are still left with a lot of natural potential that we don't have anymore because of our demographics, because of our development stage, we cannot have this potential here. So we are, if you want to keep growing, at least on, let's say, two, three, maybe even four or five percent, we must rely on emerging markets. And yeah, guess what? Emerging markets in recent years is China. Of course, in the future, there are other markets, but without China, it's going to be difficult to keep our our standards that we have. Um, China knows that. China also knows that they need more than just growth. This is why they are climbing up the value chain. They emphasize innovation rather than growth. And they have ambitious targets in a lot of industries. And they're not going to win all. And we must make sure they're not going to win all. Because otherwise there's no need for our products anymore. And that's important. Another aspect is, and it's important that I mention that, many people think that I'm very much on the Chinese side. And of course, I'm pro-China generally. I'm fascinated by their culture, by their dynamic life. But I'm also one of those guys who's saying, hey, we must make sure that we are strong and assertive when it comes to dealing with China. Because we have interests that must be taken seriously as well. The problem is that in... The past years, we often were not really clear. We are not really consistent with our policies, how to deal with China and when we are facing China. And China started to look down on the West partly because we are acting like clowns in many cases or we have very inconsistent statements and no backbone. We cannot just limit our actions to rhetoric, we really have to make sure that China takes us seriously too. The concept of face, you might be roughly familiar with this, so it's basically the reputation of of yourself. China is trying to keep its face, but we also must keep our face. We don't have to call it like this, but we must be aware that China also is looking on how we act, how we present ourselves. How assertive are we when we want something? And this is very important. China wants respect, but we also must show they respect us. That's important. And I think a lot of countries recently forgot about that. That's the, that's the base for getting what you want when you interact with such a strong country. China is a strong country. So take them seriously, but make sure they take 
you seriously as well. Okay, finally, I know there are always going to be people who have no willingness to deal with China. They find it complex. I can understand that partly because there are seemingly more and more contradictions in China. The news that we commonly are exposed to extremely negative in terms of China and we have to rely on the media around us which is full of biases and so we have a very negative picture of all of China. There was a um, interesting uh, survey that I found is from the Pu Research Center. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I put a link in the description of this episode. And it basically shows that especially the developed countries, with a few exceptions, um, are quite quite hostile towards China. Uh, lately, they, they um, became more and more negative towards China in their attitude, whereas emerging countries are overall quite friendly towards China. There are a couple of different reasons for that. Maybe you already know that my opinion is that this is something very natural. It's called competition. So, of course, if you have a new competitor um, who is um, yeah, going, for, going for the top, you attack them. That's quite normal. But what I actually want to say is that um, I understand that more and more people are negative towards China. I always say, well, you should still try to understand the country a bit, try to learn about them. And you don't have to love them, obviously. Um, and if you don't want to deal with China, you can try to avoid it. But to totally reject them in the way that you, for instance, say, I'm rejecting all Chinese goods, that's not really possible. You're creating an illusion if you think that you can totally skip China, if you entirely avoid this country. It's not possible. And some people are really on a, pers on a personal mission. They are boycotting Chinese products. There are large groups on Facebook and stuff like that. And they should really be aware that the economic situation in their country is not improving at all by this misdirected actionism. And it will not bring jobs back or anything. Absolutely not. It's very obvious. If you leave China, you can go to another country, but it's not going to come back to your own domestic market because the wages are way too high. And overall, you may be as a person, as an individual, if you are well off. You can afford it maybe, but most people can't without significantly decreasing their living standards. So to just say, let's reject China as a whole is not possible. If you don't want to deal with China, perhaps possible, but not totally rejecting. And don't get me wrong, it's a different thing whether you say, I prefer products from my own country. That is totally fine. It's okay to support your own country and it's totally legitimate to buy stuff from your own country first. If you say, I'm only buying American or German cars, that's, that's absolutely okay. But to overall go on a, on a trip where you don't buy any foreign or Chinese goods anymore, it won't help anybody. Believe me, it won't help anybody. In the end, anyway, we don't have the capacity or the demand to replace China as a manufacturing center of the world, which it will continue to be throughout the century, at least. There's no way around that. 
So to kind of end up this episode and to summarize, I believe the dependency is commonly associated with a very negative picture, but we should also not forget that it can have a lot of positive effects. And don't forget that China was the country that helped us to recover from the two past heavy recessions, the world economic crisis and the recent um, COVID crisis. So there's also this suction effect that we benefit from China. We are dependent on China, but it can go in two ways. And so we should not forget that China is important for us. And the second point is that dependency is perceived so negative, but as long as you have a mutual dependency and it's fairly balanced and both sides are gaining value, dependency is not that bad. If you're married, then you also have a dependency, but would you call that bad necessarily? No, I don't think so. I think most people would say it's pretty okay unless blah, blah, blah happens or as long as you have certain criteria fulfilled. And the same applies to this whole economic setup. So dependency is okay as long as it is mutual, fairly balanced, and both sides are gaining value. That is what has brought the acceptance in the past for each other. And that is also what must be the focus in the future. Thanks for listening to the Dragonfolio China podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net.